hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. You know, I was going to start a new series today, but with Thanksgiving happening this week, I felt like God wanted me to add another message to this series. And I was actually going to do a message called I'm Thankful, but I'd already done one called I'm Grateful, which... There's actually a difference between being thankful and being grateful. Being thankful is a response while being grateful is a reflection. But even though we're coming up on Thanksgiving, rather than sharing a message called I'm thankful, I wanted to take it a step further and I want to share a message that we're calling I'm content. Welcome to Chew On That. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay, and you're joining us for the Chew On That podcast, where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the most current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And so this time, it's actually the very last sermon in the series, uh, The Bright Side, called I'm Content. Content. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Joining me today is my friend, Shannon Sadowski. And so, Shannon, a lot of people may not know you like I know you. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, I'm Shannon Sadowski, and I am a Christian counselor and life coach. And I've been going to Life Church for about a year now, just going on a year. So I'm married, and uh, we have two adult children and live in Appleton. That's awesome. That's awesome. You've been, you were part, we became friends uh, because you were part of the most recent Alpha course. Actually, the last two Alpha courses. Yes. The one before it, you were a participant. And then because you guys were so fantastic, then you were a table host this time. Yes, and so, it's been great both times. Yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit more about your, the... Uh, your impression of Alpha? It is a really great program. I didn't know exactly what to expect. I actually had heard about it from someone else um, outside of our church and oh. thought that it sounded like a great thing. And then when I heard that Life Church was doing it, we wanted to be part of it. So it's just great. It's, you know, a good group of people just coming together and discussing topics that you don't always have a chance to ask and kick around with people. And yeah, um, yeah it's just good conversation. Not necessarily for new believers, right? It's kind of like for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think with both groups that we've experienced, everyone is welcome yeah. and, and would have felt like they were comfortable being there. And, you know, there's no stupid question and it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. We're always growing. Yeah, so I love that. Speaking of that, tell me a little bit about like your faith life. Have, has, have you always had a relationship? Uh, with God or is it a relatively new thing for you? Yeah, I always have. And, um, you know, I always find it funny when people say, you know, tell me about your conversion or the moment Mm, that you accepted Christ. And, and I say for me, that's hard to answer because my mom, uh, has a really strong faith and she introduced us to Jesus basically from the womb. Right. So, you know, just from, from little on, we always knew him in a personal real way that he is real, that he does love us, that we're never alone, all of those truths. And so I feel really blessed that, you know, I mean, that question for me would be uh, like asking me at what point in your life, did you know that your mom was always going to be there for Mm. you? It's like, yeah, yeah, she's always been. And so has Jesus. So, Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Okay. Well, the, we're together to talk about Sean's message. So let's just jump right in and we'll listen to the first soundbite. Never before have so many people had so much yet wanted so much more. And running the risk of sounding like an old man, there's an identifiable culprit. And almost all of us subject ourselves to it like every day. Sociologists have determined that social media is one of the biggest causes, one of the biggest culprits when it comes to discontentment. And here's what happens. When we look at other people's lives on social media, their lives look perfect while our lives look puny. 
but their lives look perfect because they're putting their best foot forward, their best, most filtered foot forward. So we end up comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. We, we feel small because we see the best of their best while knowing the worst of our worst. I kind of feel like, and I love, I love when he talks about this because I, like, I'm a pretty social media present person. And I, I like to say it's because I feel like I have such a positive influence uh, or a positive voice that I need to share. But really it's because I'm, I just, I need affirmation from people. And so, but that could be another podcast where we talk about that another time. But like, I love when Sean talks about this because it really hits home for me because he's right in that I feel like there's something that people call like a chamber of commerce day where like you're outside in your city and the sky is beautiful and the temperature is perfect and the clouds look like from toy story. And you're like, these are the, this is the kind of day where you'd go take pictures for your chamber of commerce website. And I feel like people live their lives in a chamber of commerce day on Facebook all the time. Like they just show their best. And, and, and sometimes that's good because I feel like there's other people that are, I don't know whether they were the opposite of chamber of commerce day is, but like who live their life like Eeyore, like all the time. And there's nothing wrong with being an Eeyore. Sometimes like we all can't be perfect all the time. And sometimes there's things that are making us sad or whatever. And so, um, but like there's, there's some people who are just like, oh my gosh, lady, will you just take a pill or something? And just, I don't know. Anyway, so I love this topic and I feel like it, 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 like, I feel like you'd have something to say about this given like your like vocation. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And and we do see a direct correlation when people are inundating their brains with social media and seeing the comparisons and everything. But I also think it's true just in relationship, in real life, so mm. to speak, right? Like you can have people in your life that just always are the sunshiny people that will always stay kind of above the surface and, and make everything look great. And, and it's really easy to compare, which he talks about later in the sermon too. Um, but I think that's why it's so important to have some people, your pocket of people that you yeah. can be very real with that know the true, you know, both sides, the good and the bad, the hard times and the good times, because no one gets away like completely unscathed in this life. We're all going to be wounded and hurt at some point in our life. And it's important to be able to be real about that. Yeah. So like this idea of comparing ourselves or this idea of, uh, like using other people's highlight reel to compare them to like our, you know, every day behind the scenes. I mean, it's easy for, you know, to get it like, like this morning, you know, there was fun stuff that happened to me, but then there was like stuff that was like, I had to do crappy things. I had to pick up the dog poop and I had to, but no one like is out there, you know, like saying, you know, here's me picking up my dog poop. Everyone's like, look at my dog. The dog is the best thing in my life. When, I mean, that's not the whole part of the relationship. And they do the same things then with their spouse or with their kids. And they don't, you know, they don't talk about like how challenging our kids can be sometimes or how difficult being married can be sometimes. They just, you know, show, cause sometimes I feel like for me, I, I, I sometimes think of social media as like, I hope this is a, not wildly inappropriate, but like as like relationship porn, like I feel like I, I, I sometimes like, not that I'm addicted to it, but I look at it and I'm jealous, right? I'm jealous of, you know, what other people might have, you know, like, oh, I wish, oh my gosh, why can't, how don't I, why don't I deserve, right? I do, I do that to myself. And so not just trying to show off, which is what I feel like some people do on social media, but also, you know, just trying to say, you know, I wish I had, you know? Yeah. And I think people tend to be one extreme or the other, right? Mm. Either they're the person who shows every tedious negative thing that happens in their life and it's all about the attention seeking or it's all of the great things that just shows their life like it's perfect. And the reality is 
that's not what anybody's looking for. Mm-hmm. What we really want is the balanced person that shows the reality of life, that there are some really good days and there are some really bad days. And we just see them for being real and not yeah. not either extreme. If I know that I'm being triggered by scrolling on, for me, it's Facebook, but other people, it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever, right? And like, I know that I can be triggered by it, but yet I can't stop scrolling. Like I can't, you know what I mean? Like I can't tear myself away and I keep trying to ask myself, like, what are you looking for here? Like, what's the thing that's like, what are you like hoping to land on? What are you hoping to see? You know, and I, I know that like trying to figure yourself out. I mean, that's what life is all about. The more you can figure yourself out, the more content you'd be, the happier you'd be. And I wish I could just figure out what I'm looking for. Like, what am I, what am I getting a charge out of? You know, like what, what, what happiness am I finding there? You know? Yeah. I think that's a great question to ask yourself. And I think just in general, Americans don't have enough quiet in our lives anyway. And Mm. so we try to fill all of the space, you know, my sister and I laugh together because she is an extrovert and I am an introvert. And so she talks about uncomfortable silences and I'm like, what the heck is that? (laughs) Like, that sounds beautiful to me. Like I live in that world and I have clients too that I'm like, I'm fine sitting in the silence with you and just letting, cause I know that that's when, you know, either the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you or you're going to get real with yourself, right? That's where we can actually get to the bottom of what's going on. But when we don't allow ourselves to do that because we reach for something else like scrolling and we just keep going, we're never going to get to the heart matter of what is it that is uncomfortable in me that I'm trying to fulfill with or fill with something else. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, sorry, I'm going on and on about this, but it kind of reminds me, there was a, a, a joke I remember hearing years and years and years ago about how, like, when it comes before there was social media, we would go through all the channels on our television and how women wanted to see what was on TV and men just wanted to see what else was on. Like, and like, like, I feel like that's kind of me because I get into trouble a lot because I look at my phone a lot while I'm driving. And it's not because, like, there's information I need. It's just because I'm bored driving. Like, there's not enough information for me driving. Like, there's not enough input for me. There's not enough, there's nothing happening. And so like, I look at my phone because I'm like, I'm bored of driving right now. I want something else to be happening. And so I feel like that's kind of it for me. You know, in fact, I, I, uh, just bought a new car. Um, it's my second Subaru Outback, which I love a lot. And so, cause it's like really nice without being like all like fancy or you know what I mean? So, uh, like no fancy brand anyway, but I loved, I had to get this car, had to get, I'm doing air quotes, had to get this car because like, not only like my old car would beep if you started to get out of your lane. So like, hey, pay attention, you got to drive. So now, but now this car like gets me back in my lane by itself, right? And then if you're on cruise control, you can push a button and it'll always stay centered in the lane, no matter what. So like if you took your hands completely off the wheel, it would just stay centered in the lane. And then it watches my eyes. And so if I look at something like the cows in the pasture and moo, right? Like that, it'll like beep at me. It'd be Hey, pay attention to your driving. Like it beeps at me if I'm not if my eyes aren't forward on the road and like, I totally need that in my life. And so as you were talking about like what we're doing, like why we need, you know, like what's triggering me. I feel like I just like, I feel like I can't get enough information. And yet at the same time, I'm all anxious because I have too much information in my head. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, why do I have so much information in my head? Why can't I just be still? Why can't everyone just leave me alone? But then if even I am alone, right, I'll be scrolling. Anyway, anyway, there's a lot there. (laughs) Self-diagnosing. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) 
Or even worse, if we don't get our discontentment in check, it can slide into malcontent, which is where someone takes it to the next level. They, they in their satisfaction, start complaining. They start gossiping. They start making trouble for other people, which can really easily slip into the next really dangerous step, which is envy. And envy is where we resent God's goodness in other people's lives while we ignore his goodness in our own lives. But you know, I heard a great quote a couple years ago. It said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. I wonder how you're responding to what's happening to you. There's a lot of really good stuff in that. In yeah. that sound bite, isn't there? Um, well, one of the things that I noticed when he was talking about that, we don't use the word malcontent a whole mm. lot. We talk about discontent, but we don't talk about malcontent. And I actually looked it up to see what exactly, like, what is that? What came to mind for me was um, being in contempt, which is totally different oh. word, but it sounds a yeah. lot alike, right? Yeah. And so I was thinking about how, so malcontent is actually a person. It's a person who is dissatisfied and gets to the point of grumbling and complaining and causing, causing problems. And he also talks about how envy then when we move into that is resenting God's goodness, Yeah. that like God's goodness towards someone else. And I think a big piece of envy is us like kind of judging that and feeling like that other person maybe didn't deserve it or we deserved it more, where's mine? And I thought it was funny that being in contempt really means being like judged disrespectful of the authority of the court. Huh. And so I was thinking about how in this case, it's, you know, God's goodness, God being good to someone else and us judging that that other person isn't worthy of it somehow, right. or I am worthy. So where's mine? And yeah. so it really comes back to questioning God and his provision and his goodness and all of those things. Right. Which is when you would be held in contempt of court, right? Like in contempt of God, like, yeah, I love yeah. that because I mean, that's like, we can't out of one side of our mouth talk about how God is a perfect father and gives us perfectly what we need exactly when we need it, you know, in the portion that we require, you know, like we can't talk about that. And in the same time, think that that life is like God's love and blessing exists in a vacuum. And if someone gets something, that means there's less for us, Absolutely. you know, and like, that's just not how God works. Like God doesn't have someone I think said it's, you know, stuff like God's blessing isn't pie. Like there's, there's not only like eight pieces of God's pie. And if you're watching other people get their piece and you're like, you know, like Milton on office space. I don't know if you're a movie person. Anyway, Milton was this guy with a red swing line stapler. And he, every time he, there was a birthday party in the office, like he would always be the last one. Like he'd be handing the cake off and he'd never get a piece of cake. So he ended up burning the office to the ground. But so like, but there's like, God doesn't, isn't like Milton. Like there's not just a finite number of pie or. Yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it's also kind of like the parents that are expecting their second child, right? And they think, how could I possibly love another child mm, as much as yeah. I love this one? And they find out it doesn't, your love does not divide by the number of children you have. It right. multiplies and you have the same deep love for each of them. The same is true with God's provision too. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, that's it. Right. Cause the, I love that. I've never heard that before. That must be like, it's some fancy therapy book or something, <laughs> but like, I love that, 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 it, that our life, our love isn't divided, that it's multiplied and like, and our capacity to love should be multiplied. And you know, like I, even as I think about being a parent and cause I just had a big conversation with my wife today, we were talking about our kids and 
Kate uh, had a sister growing up, so she never grew up with boys. And then uh, when we got married, I had still had some kids from my first marriage. I still have those kids. <laughs> so, but they were, li- they, they were living at home. And so she had no idea what to do with my son, right? She didn't grow up with sons or brothers or, you know, yeah. whatever. And so, and so, but I noticed, I said, I, I feel like you struggle with our son because like, you don't really, you, you don't understand boys because boys are a different thing. Like, I mean, they're not just gross because boys are gross, but like, they're also just like, they think different and they work different. And, um, we were talking about that and, and just about, you know, how that, that when it comes to loving them, it just, you know, there's not a difference in capacity or a difference in the amount of love. It's just how the love needs to be communicated, you know, and that's what could, and of course that's not even a gender thing. I mean, everyone absolutely has a different way to be loved, you know, but like for us and God, someone else getting something that we think we want or deserve or, or yeah, deserve isn't a, isn't a, um, a categorization or an indictment on our worthiness. It's like, we can't leave it up to God's plan and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's coming to mind is, have you ever seen that picture that talks about equality versus fairness? And oh. it shows the kids looking yeah. over the fence and yes. instead of everyone getting the same, you know, thing that they need. So the same size box to right, stand, stand on, on to see over the fence, they get what they need in order to be able to see over the fence. Right, right? right. And so I think that's the same thing too, is like part of the problem with us judging whether someone else deserves what they get or whether we have what we deserve is that we're very limited in our scope of what we're seeing and what we think we need, where God may be trying to develop something in us that is very different than what the person next to us or the neighbor has or needs or any of that. We only know our story. We only know our movie. Like that's the only movie we get to see. Like we don't see everyone else's screens. And so sometimes we think that because of what we know in our context, that must be what's going on in someone else, right? Like whatever, however this is making me feel or whatever it is that's hurting me or helping me or enriching me, like that must be what other people's movie experience must be too. And it's just totally not, right? you know, that it's just, you know, just, I was thinking that about that today. In fact, I made a post about it today. Like <clears throat> we don't get to decide the validity or the intensity or the longevity of other people's anxiety or other people's worry. Like we can't, just because it wouldn't bother you doesn't mean it's not bothering them. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and it's so short sighted. And so many of us live that way, certainly with strangers, but even sometimes in our, like in our personal relationships, like we don't have empathy. We don't write that empathy. Symp- the empathy. one, right. You're right. Empathy where, where like you can't imagine yourself in their position. Yeah. Like we just, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. That wouldn't bother me one bit. So then we're like, why? I don't know why it's bothering you. You must be a big crybaby. You, know, you little baby. Why? I mean, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We, you know what's really funny about that, though, is we only do that in one direction, right? Mm. Because how often we don't look at the people who have it worse than us. Yes. We always look at the people who have it better, yeah. right? So, you know, when he shared that, when Pastor, Pastor shared the Chuck Swindle quote, Yep. Life isn't 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I thought, I wonder how many people just rolled their eyes, yep. <laughs> right? Because we know all the quotes, we've said them, but yet when it comes down to it, we don't really believe that's true. 
We yeah. believe that some people have it better than other people. And if you are content, well, then it must be really easy for you to be content. You have the, you have an easy life, yeah. right? We don't look at all of the people who are content, who have really difficult lives. I was just listening the other day to a podcast about a woman who was just young and just vibrant, a mom of three. And she had an accident where she basically fell off of a cliff and became paraplegic. And she now is a motivational speaker. She has a strong relationship with Christ and she talks about how content she is in her life and how much she loves her life and how God has used every ounce of her pain to teach her and to grow her and to help her be able to share with others. And I think those are not the things that come to mind when we think about, you know, our attitude and, yeah. and how we, that it really is a choice, how we respond to it. But there's plenty of proof out there that that's actually true. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's good. He's saying the secret to contentment is not found in what we have or what we don't have. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, until Jesus is all you have, you'll never recognize that Jesus is all you need. I love that quote. And that's for me, I feel like that's, <clears throat> that's the Jesus journey. You know, how, when we can surrender that, like there's all kinds of like, super spiritual, biblical, religious ways to talk about like, I'm going to take up the cross and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give up my own life to like, and we think about it in like in these huge dramatic, you know, cinematic ways when all it really means is that like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop chasing after what I need or what I want or what I think I deserve. And then if I, if I just give that all up to Jesus, then I'll find that you know, he provides everything that I need and that the things that I think that I need, those are the things that change over the course of my walk. That's, I mean, that's sanctification for me. Like, so when the Bible says that he'll give us the desires of our heart, well, he's been changing our heart the whole time. And if your heart's not changing, you know, you got to look at what, how you're walking, like what your Jesus walk looks like. If your heart's not changing, if the desires of your heart are still the things that are highly material or hardly relational or hardly, uh, consequential. I think those are the things that he had mentioned earlier in his sermon. Like that's not, that's not the, that's not the way of Jesus at all. Right. Like the desires of our heart should want to be to like love and benefit uh, other people and to share with them the good news that Jesus can bring to your life. And when our desires change to be that, you know, I don't know, it's easier for God to fill them. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I think too, I mean, that whole piece of, of finding contentment in Jesus alone, it goes back to what is contentment. And contentment is not happiness. Happiness fades, right? It's better than happiness. It's the contentment and the peace that comes with Jesus being your all and being the center of everything. Because when it when he really is the center, we know that we can handle whatever comes. We know that whether it is something, you know, I mean, it's always an interesting topic to me to kick around with other Christians of this idea of, you know, um, did does God cause everything? Does he allow things, that intersection yeah. between evil happening to us? And to me, when it comes down to it, it really doesn't matter if I have something bad that happens in my life. It doesn't really matter if God allowed or brought this thing in somehow for my benefit to help me grow, or if it's something that the enemy did that he got allowed into my life and now is taking and is using that for my benefit to grow. Either way, I win, right? Yeah. Because either way, if I'm trusting fully in Jesus and what he's going to do in my life and who he is and how much he loves me and him wanting the best for me, 
it's going to go in the right direction. So, you know, it, it just makes it so much easier to have that peace knowing no matter how bad this gets. I know that it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but I trust him that I know it's going to be okay. Yeah. It makes me think what you just said and Sean's quote makes me think of the story of Job, right? Which isn't just like a dusty old Testament Mm -hmm. story. Like this is like exactly what this, you know, point is all about where, where, you know, Job was this guy, he was a successful businessman. He owned land. He had kids. He had like everything. He had all the things, all the things that, you know, in our minds, we think what success looks like. And then, I guess Satan was having this conversation with God. It was like, oh, sure, clearly. I mean, why wouldn't he be faithful to you? You've given him all these things. Look at all the things that he has, all this land and all these cattle and all these tents and all these you know, kids and all these, like he's got everything he wants. Of course, he's going to be faithful to you, but take away those things and let's see what happens. So God's like, okay, right? And so then there's Job, right? Little by little starts losing all the stuff and never gives up having a heart for God or having a heart like God, right? Because he knows that, all that stuff doesn't matter that the, that who he is in Christ or who he is in God, because that was the Old Testament. Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like who he is in God and who God is in him, that's all. That's everything. And so the rest of it doesn't even matter. And so good or bad, you know, rains or sunshine or whatever, doesn't matter as long as he's. And Paul was that same way. Like Paul in his letters, Sean talked about that in his sermon where he's like, Sean's writing these letters, not from a like a beautiful resort somewhere. Right. He's writing them from prison. So Paul's like, even, even in this crappy place, I know that everything I am is in God and God's in me and that's all that I need. And so I don't know, like if you, if you need help on this thing about being a malcontent or being discontented with your life, like go read the story of Job, like read it in the message though, because if you try to read like in the King James version, you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you read in something like the message or I don't know, like watch the, the Bible project, read scripture on Job or something, just like dig into that story. If you feel like you keep struggling with this idea that you think you deserve more or wondering why you don't have more, or you're jealous or envious of your sister or your neighbor or, you know, whomever because of what they've got on social media, then I don't know, go explore the story of Job, I think. You know, I find when I celebrate someone else's success, it purifies my heart. Like when someone else is blessed in a way I wanted to be blessed and I celebrate with them, it has a way of cleansing the very intentions of my heart. On the flip side, I've discovered when I can't celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life, I'm actually limiting what God can do in my life because it fills my heart. It closes my heart. It clinches my fists. And closed hands can't receive blessings. We don't do that. I don't know why it's hard for us to do that. We don't celebrate other people. We don't celebrate other people's successes or other people's blessings. Or We don't... We're not as a people, and I know this is a broad generalization, but we're not, we're not celebrating people. Like we're celebrating people when we get something, when we get a raise or when we get a promotion or when we have a kid or when we, but we hardly ever like, Oh, good for you. Right. That's what we'll say or something. Or we'll send them a text with balloons or something. But I don't know that we actually celebrate people. I think part of that is we're not paying attention, Ooh. right? It's it's the attention is inward rather than outward. Hmm. Even though, you know, we're on social media and we're constantly seeing everybody else. It's like, are we really seeing though? Or, or what are we looking at? You know, I think I like the, the, the idea of the celebration because it really is a heart matter, right? I mean, it really yeah. tells you like, am I really celebrating other people or is there a tinge of the envy and the jealousy and all those other things coming in? But I think part of that too goes back to, you know, when we're able to celebrate someone else, we're focusing on that someone else, right? And what we focus on is always going to grow 
We're always going to notice what we're looking for, right? So that's part of just gratitude connecting back to this whole series. Gratitude is being aware of what God's done for us, being aware of what we have. You know, um, he talked a little bit about uh, looking at people's homes and home comparisons and all of that. And I kind of laughed because we had a pastor once that that referred to HGTV as being the the station that makes you discontent with your house immediately. Uh, and it's so true, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as you start seeing what you could have, you forget all about what you do. Yes. And, you know, I just think recently we went through the process of, of trying to get a house that we just fell in love with and went through that process. And I caught myself going, you know what? I need to stop and just go back to like thanking God and celebrating what he's given us in the house that we're in right now. Yeah. And it, it just helped change the whole heart around that piece, you know, of just being, being grateful and content with what we have that, you know what, if we do get that house or a different house in the future, we'll love that too, but not because it's going to be better there yeah. than it is where we are, or God's going to be, you know, uh, supplying for us better there than where he is now. We can find contentment wherever we are. It's just, what are we focusing on? What are we looking at? Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I feel like Sometimes we're unaware. It's like Sean. Like Sean talked about his message how when he was a kid in high school and he had a he got a, a Ford Escort to drive. It was his very own car and he took care of it. He loved it until he saw what someone else had. Right. And they had some kind of fancy Corvette convertible. And I, I feel like we do like you said, we do the same thing. Like, like wait, I, I want shiplap walls on the focus wall of my bedroom so I can hang shabby chic planters from it or what you know what I mean? like we just do that we, we do that in all the parts of our lives absolutely even even like who we are right the, it's the compare and despair it doesn't matter if it's your house or your car or your personality wishing like oh I wish I was more outgoing like that or I wish I was look how witty that person is I wish I could be more witty you know it's it's looking at what we aren't or what we don't have instead of who we are who we were created to be and what we have been given mm. yeah and so like Lately, I've been thinking about rewiring and, you know, like changing how that works. So, I mean, like the, when I was a kid, there was a song from Sunday school called Count Your Blessings. Uh, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Anyway, so not nearly as nice or fun as when Sean sang, uh, (laughs) You Are So Beautiful. But the... That's one way I feel like to rewire, right? To like, because some of us will go to bed thinking about crap, I wish I had this, right? I can't believe, how can I get that? So we start scheming and planning and negotiating with ourselves or with somebody about how we can get what we want that's more than what we have. And so that's how we're wiring our brains. Like it's repetitive thought like that is how, like that's how we condition ourselves. And so we need to recondition ourselves yeah, this is another area that I love, you know, with my my coaching, especially I do a lot with the intersection of scripture and neuroscience mm. and where those two intersect. And I feel like this is another one of those areas because we know that there's a lot of neuroscience backing up gratitude and focusing on what are you thankful for and, and just focusing on three things every day that you're grateful for. But the Bible also talks about um, memorial stones. And so the different time periods where 
God had someone use stones and set stones up as markers to show what God has done in your life, both for yourself and for other people, and to pass down to the generations ahead of us too, so that they would know that they could trust in God and how mm, he showed up in your that. life. And so I think that's another way is just like looking at what are the memorial stones in your life. If you look back over the course of your life, where are all those times where God showed up for you, where he provided exactly what you needed, where you saw that, you know, the, the way that he created you was not an accident because he used it and it was exactly what another person needed in their life and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I love that. We kind of cover that in, in the alpha course. When we do the alpha getaway. We could do the life journey map or the life map where we identify the places that God's been or where we felt like there was an absence of God. But then as you look back on things, it's easier for you to get the context of when God showed up. I'm air quoting again, but like when God showed up in your situation where he had never left, but you just weren't looking in the right place or looking in the right way. And so I love that idea. And I feel like there's, there's a lot there to chew on. I feel like there's a lot there that we can be exploring as people and especially as Jesus people to try to like fix that, to find this contentment and gratitude thing in what we've got and not in, because when we think about our prayer life, if you ask people, if they prayed about it, people aren't thinking about praying for in thanks of what they have. Right. They're thinking about, I need to pray for that because I want this new thing. I want this fix to an illness or this, you know, you know, a, a, sub, a solution to my money problem or my relationship problem or my job problem. So we're always looking, we're always praying to find a solution. And I mean, how many people really ever pray just to thank God for what they've already got in the hand, you know? Yeah. Or, or also praying and asking for him to change us in the way that we need to be changed, oh. not in the way that we want to be yeah. changed. Yeah. Right. Cause that goes back to, you know, your story of, of being in the car and being bored and things, you know, I, you're not alone in that. I mean, look at anyone. Now we don't stand in lines anymore with COVID. Right. right. But when we did, yes. you could look at anybody standing in line and almost all of them would have their, their phone out in their yes. hand trying to distract. Yep. And so I always say, you know, look for those areas of discontent in your life where you have that feeling in your body of discontent, where you notice you're uncomfortable, like you're bored when you're driving or whatever and ask yourself like what if God I actually welcomed him into that and I learned how to deal with being bored like what's that about for me yeah. um, and, and just all the different areas of our life because I think um, there's a lot of room for growth there but we're often not quiet enough to allow for that change to happen right we want to move on too fast absolutely I feel like there was a big thing for me that that what's that about thing that trigger like starting to identify like something happening in my immediate response and then asking myself, what's that about? You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't ask that question for the first 50 years of my life, right? Like I just, I don't know, like I would just react, right? So I'd be mm -hmm. mad or I'd be happy or, you know, sad or, you know what I mean? I would just react and I would just go with that. So it just, I, that's how I handled life just by reacting from one thing to another, which there's no strategy in that. There's no growth in that. That's right. just, you know, that's, you're kind of an idiot, right? I mean, I'm not trying to call you an idiot if that's what you do, but I mean, that's how you're acting. And so like, like it started like when, and I think I might've mentioned it on this podcast before, but like it started when I would hear the garage door go up, meaning that my wife was home and like, I, and I would always be happy that, you know, but then I would get to like, oh, but I have to ask her about that. Or she's probably gonna be mad at me about this. Or I have to, oh, the kids this, or, you know, I want to. And so like, before I could react to the feeling of, oh, I'm happy that Kate's home. Like I wouldn't sit in that. I wouldn't mm -hmm. think about, well, what's that about? And so our whole life is just a bunch of triggers or we're just constantly being triggered by something. And we need to start asking ourselves, well, what's that about? Why is, why, why is this my first feeling right now? 
Why am I mad when this happens? Think about it for a second. Try to identify it. Like, where did this happen in the past? Like, what bad happened one time when someone asked that or said that or wore that or, you know, moved that way, right? Like, what happened that made me mad right now? So, like, you can start fixing some of those potholes because otherwise you're just going through life, you know, with a car and a road full of potholes and just hoping to make it through to the other side. And no wonder why you wouldn't get any pleasure out of that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid feelings, but feelings are indicators that there's something going on. So if we stop and address it instead of just trying to move on or stuff it, or, you know, I always say we're supposed to feel our feelings, not drink them or eat them or, you know, shop them, them, all the different things that we do. Um, But that's where the growth comes in and the change. I feel like men especially have a hard time with that because we've just been conditioned to think that men don't feel things or if they feel things, they should try to ignore it or hide it or, you know, drink it away or hunt it away or buy it away or fish it away or whatever. Like we shouldn't have to have feelings, but really, I mean, then again, you're going through life like an idiot. Like you're just, I mean, you're just like a, like a, like a robot, you know, just keeping reacting, bouncing off things like a pinball, right? Like you're just ding, 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 And things won't change because we will always have negative circumstances in our life that we have to deal with. So yeah, that's so good. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Like Thanksgiving dinner with the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed taters and gravy and the cornbread and the pumpkin pie and the sweet potato pie in Jesus' name with the Cool Whip on the top. Like, that's what it is. It's like a continual feast. Like, isn't that so good? The happy heart. It's always ready to see God's goodness. Hey, if you want to look for the bad in this world, if you want to look for the bad in every situation, you can find it. But if you want to see God working, well, you can find that too. This really just reminds me of the whole cognitive bias, you know, that that we, the brain is always looking for evidence of what it already believes is true. Yes. Right. So if you believe that God is good and that you have so much to be grateful for, and even like he said, you know, it, we have so much more now than the generations before us. And yet we are so much more discontent than the generations before us. It really is what you focus on and, and what you're looking for. You're going to find it either way. Yeah. I love this idea of like if you, so if you're looking for the ways that God has blessed you or the ways that God is good or the way that God is love or the way that God is peace or whatever, right? If you're looking for those things, you're always going to find them and it's always going to bring you joy. But if you're looking for ways that you feel cheated by God or underserved by God or unworthy of God, you're going to find those things. You're going to find either thing in this cognitive Bias. Bias. You're going to find those things. One will keep you happy, joyful. One will keep you miserable. And either way, you will believe that you are right and justified in your way, your perception that you have, the perspective you have on life. Right. Because you'll have the evidence. Why would you not choose? Why would you not choose? And most people, I think it's because they truly don't think that they have the right to choose. You know, they think, you know, it's, it's the word, you know, I'm not, when I say victim mentality, I do not mean legitimate, you know, like people who are victimized in this world, but I mean, people who really believe that it's no, 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 everybody else does have it worse than me. You or better than me. You have to, you don't know my story. Right. And so they don't recognize that even in this, there still could be something, you know, that my perception is blocking out and not allowing me to see. Yeah. Oh. Like I just, it makes me wonder like what I didn't know before I knew, hmm. you know, like 
when I was 30 or when I was 40 and like how I was going through life, you know, like, cause now I feel like even though life isn't always, you know, unicorns and rainbows and, and chocolate chip cookies, but it's like, I still don't, I still don't despair. Like I used to despair, you know, I would despair a lot. And, and I knew who Jesus was, but I, it was a different understanding of Jesus than I'd had like in recent years. And so like, I, I think about that. I see, I watch other people struggle with the despondency or with despair and with hopelessness and with, and like, yeah, there's really crappy things that are happening in their lives. But like, for me, when, when you ask me about the gospel, it's got nothing to do with the fact that if I keep my nose clean, I'll go to heaven when I die. Like I used to think that that was the gospel, you know? And like, that's not my gospel anymore. Like my gospel now is like, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And that I not just to heaven, but now right. yeah, <laughs> the now. way that we live our yeah. life now and yeah. what we get now, it's, right. it's bringing the heaven I'm to satisfied earth. now. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suffering and I'm not going to continue to suffer so that someday I'll have more. Like, I feel like he's changed the, the parameters of more. Like he's changed like what more looks like or what more feels like. And I used to think that it was tangible things or relational things or consequential things. And it's not, it's like, what benefit can you bring to people? What benefit can you be to people? What good can you be to people? What reflection of Christ can you be to people? And the more stuff like that, that I do, then the, the, the physical stuff, the material stuff, the relational stuff, the, all this stuff just takes care of itself or it doesn't matter anymore. It matters less, you know, uh, it's like, that's the gospel that I want people to know that it's not going to church so that you, it's checked off in some big book somewhere that you made it to church more times than you didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that when you get to heaven, God will let you in. Like that's, you know, I don't think it's that, it doesn't work that way at all. It's all about the relationship. Right. Right. And finding joy here, finding peace here. Yeah. And so anyway, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this went really fast. I feel like it should have lasted like twice as long. I don't even know how long. It's 40 minutes, I guess. Anyway, that was fun. Can you come back and do this again? Yes, I would love to. Oh, that fun. would be fun. Like, I love your insight. So that's, I mean, like about everybody's insight, but it was really great to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, share it with someone that you feel like might be able to benefit from these words or uh, walk, uh, encourage them to uh, subscribe uh, to this podcast or any one of our podcasts. There's uh, several here at Life Church that are really, really uh, life filling and confirming. Uh, there's the whole podcast, um, which talks about a lot of the stuff that we talked about today in this podcast. There's Sean's message podcast. There's cheery conversations. Um, there's at home with the Tennessee's a new podcast coming up is a rabbi and a pastor walk into a bar uh, where a couple of faith leaders uh, just talk about life and stuff and faith and stuff. There's more stuff than life. But anyway, it's a good podcast as well. Look for that as well. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>